millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello everyone, I'm Chris Wynn and welcome to the Rock and Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen where we once again look ahead to our next League One fixture of the season where we take on Rotherham United at the New York Stadium as we look to bounce back from our first home defeat of the season last Saturday. So to bring us up to speed with all the latest in South Yorkshire, we're very pleased to have the company of the official Rotherham United commentator Matt Goodwin. Hello Matt. Hi mate, thanks for having me on, such a pleasure. Yeah, is is that the is that the right term? The official Rotherham United. I couldn't think of a, a different term. <laughs> yeah, right? he's, probably, he's probably giving a bit too much credit to be honest. But yeah, if you like, um, <laughs> for the I follow service. So so yeah, I cover um, home games and uh, some of the away games as well. Yeah, so we've we've got our we've got our own commentary team. Uh, so I didn't know what term to use. Whether that was the right. No, one. No, that's why I've been called it a lot worse <laughs> on, twit- <laughs> on Twitter. Too, yeah, too. I get called a lot worse on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, and and before I suppose before we get started because we we were talking before we came on, and uh, I was saying that you know normally we get fans of the clubs that we talk about, or sometimes we get the owners of the club we're talking about, and sometimes you know fans of clubs we don't always. It's hard to look objectively, but you're not strictly a fan of of Rotherham. You're a kind of a a Barnsley fan. So I mean, how how did you get into kind of being the the, the official commentator of Rotherham? Yeah, I think I'm going to lose a few Rotherham United followers now on Twitter. Now it's officially <laughs> revealed, but um, but yeah, it's 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 quite strange, really. You you'll know living down in this area that it's there's quite a cross section, isn't there? Of like you know mm. Blades, Owls, you've got Donny Rovers, Barnsley, Rotherham, Leeds just up the road, then Chesterfield down the road as well. Um, so it's quite a hotbed, isn't it, for like football mm. in this area? Um, there's a lot going on, mm. but um, no, my dad being from Barnsley. Um, you know, he, he, he dragged us to Oakwell. I tried my best to support Tottenham uh, as a kid, but he, he, he did drag me to uh, to Oakwell in mid nineties. He 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 was going in, you know, uh, early eighties himself. Um, but um, my dad, uh, when he worked shifts on a Saturday, and he used to work at um, at Millmore uh, as a bobby. Sometimes he'd be on match day mm. duties. So when Barnsley were away, he'd try and get his shifts to be. You know, so that we could go to home games with Barnsley. Then away games, me and my brother would be kicking his heels, too young to go to away games. And we'd get his dad to let us in. Uh, I might be getting him in some trouble now. It's a good job he's retired. Uh, he'd let us in to, to volley end. So we'd go watch go watch Rotherham. And I've got friends who are Rotherham fans as well. So 
I do have a soft spot for Odden Course, I do, and being involved with the club and, and knowing everything that they stand for, you know, from the chairman through to the manager and all the staff. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it is a it is a, a unique club, um, and I am really proud to be be involved with it. But yeah, guilty. I am a a Barnsley fan, but at least at the minute, Rotherham are giving me some sort of positivity um, to shout about. Um, and I got involved with them uh, maybe. I think it's coming up to about five years um, when um, I think I've been doing it. Uh, one of my first, the pre-season game was actually Sunderland when David Moyes was not yet officially announced as as manager. Um, mm. And my mate Matt, who was the press officer then, um, he got he got me involved because I started out my career, so to speak, in um, in broadcasting on Barnsley's uh, iFollow service back in the day when it were. Barnsley World um, in its uh, one of its other geysers so yeah that's uh, that's pretty much that Heady days for Sunderland fans before David Moyes took over because uh, that's where it all went wrong but yeah I mean I was gonna I was gonna say because I mean I, I live um, I live in South Yorkshire I live kind of between Rotherham and, and Sheffield and it is a strange one because obviously the two Sheffield clubs hate each other everyone seems to hate Leeds but the the, the clubs like um, you know Barnsley and Rotherham because the suppose that, well, I might upset a few people maybe, but they're the, the smaller cousins in a way, and they were always in the, traditionally in the lower leagues. Mm. It seems like people have got a softer spot for those, for the kind of smaller clubs in, in Yorkshire. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because like, there's a north-south divide as well, isn't there? Um, mm. And then there's like a Yorkshire-Lancashire divide, and then there's a Yorkshire divide within all that. Like, <laughs> it just breaks down so, in so many different ways. Um, but generally, I, I think we we sort of want each other to do well. We've had, you know, we had Rotherham fans collecting. Uh, um, well, no, sorry, were Barnsley fans collecting for Rotherham United when Rotherham were in administration in two thousand and five, um, and they were collecting at Sheffield Wednesday as well outside Hillsborough. Um, you know, we, we book it. So, I think we do want each other to do well. Um, there's a lot of fans think that the local press don't want. You know, certain clubs to do well, like Radio Sheffield covering all the clubs. Believe me, Radio Sheffield want all the clubs in Yorkshire to do well. They want to be going to the elite stadia across the country. They don't want to be going to National yeah, League, yeah. where you know where there's no ISDN port and you get no pie at half time. So, um, but yeah, obviously there's there's some um, you know there's, there's fierce sort of rivalries um, between. Certainly, you know the Blades and, and the Owls. Uh, Donny and Rotherham's a big one as well. Um, Barnsley mm. Sheffield Wednesday uh, probably means a bit more to to Barnsley than than the Owls, but historically speaking, there's a bit of sort of modern history rivalry between Barnsley and Rotherham because they were vying for um, promo- the mm. promotion from uh, the old second, uh, the old third division into the second division uh, back in early eighties. Um, but we are quite lucky, really. We've got quite a lot of clubs on our doorstep, and you know. As a football fan, you do really want to see them doing well, apart from when they come up against your side. Yeah, well, exactly. Like I said, living down here, you, you kind of—it's—it's it's a weird one because I grew up under Newcastle, and you just—you just hate them, and not, there's nothing else. But down here, everyone's got it. Well, obviously, apart from the two Sheffield clubs, but everyone else got got a soft spot for each other, except, uh, like I said, except Leeds, where everyone <laughs> hates Leeds outside of Leeds. But um, before we get into all things kind of Rotherham, um, just uh, again, just touch on Barnsley, but you're an associate uh, producer on a documentary film called Daydream Believers that was released in 2018, um, which was a film about Barnsley's promotion to the Premier League in the, in the 90s. Um, so this was back in 2018. I was lucky 
enough to be kind of given a a, a link to, to be able to watch it before it was released so I could write a review on our website, which I did. Um, and I absolutely loved loved the documentary. Absolutely fascinating. Um, reminded us a little bit of kind of Premier Passions back in the day, but more after the fact. Um, and, and I wrote, you know, in the review about all the parallels on and off the pitch between Sunderland Barnsley um, and our promotion under Peter Reid in, in the 90s around the same time. I think it was the season before um, you went up. I think you replaced us in the Premier League, actually. Mm. Um, but brought back good memories for me. But uh, can you tell us a bit about, you know, how you got involved in that, how the idea got off the ground and kind of how you got it rolling? Yeah, um, well, my mate Chris uh, is a freelance cameraman um, and he, he was always toying with the idea of doing like a, a film. He wanted to tell the story about Barnsley getting promoted to Premier League. Um, initially, he wanted to do like, um, maybe do like sort of a, uh, like a docudrama where he had like a father and a son, like the relationship between them. I seem to remember him talking to me about that once. Um, but then he got, um, it went quiet for a couple of years and then he got involved with um, Liam Dyson, who was part of the West Ham Boggs fanzine, which were really successful and um, revered fanzine about Barnsley and the famous West Ham Boggs. But we'll not talk about the West Ham uh, today. Um, people are still hurting about that. Um, and Liam's good at getting things done. He's a good like project manager, so to speak. And, um, you know, they were a good sort of uh, hybrid, really, those two. And Chris had done me a lot of lot of favours coming down to Oakwell and filming, and we'd had a couple of legends on camera together, um, you know, and you know, we've been mates since, I think, 2007, 2008. Um, and then he asked me to, to get involved. And, you know, be, being a, a big fan of, of Barnsley and having a season ticket in the Premier League as well that season... I couldn't really say no, and um, mm. I was lucky enough to like you know interview a couple of the uh, players, um, and I went to Holland to interview Ariane de Zou, um, probably more famous for being with Pompey to uh, mm. Sunderland fans at his time with Barnsley, but it was Barnsley who brought him to to England, um, and we interviewed Jan Agafiotoft as well, um, and you know I think what it was is that it was. It was a special time in football, I think, because it was just like on the brink. Yeah, the Premier League, had, it were established you know, for, for four or five years. But it was just on that brink when it were about to really explode. Mm. I mean, Chelsea got the full, like, you know, the, the Italian contingent, hadn't they? And, you know, there mm. were some superstar players. We just had Euro 96. I think that really piqued everyone's interest, really, in football generally. Um, but... Um, it was just like the the sort of perfect storm, really, for for Barnsley and Danny Wilson, you know, putting this team together. It, it were only a, a few years after the, the minor strike. If you think in '84, um, they were still yeah. suffering, you know, the effects on on the gates. You know, the the football club suffered because of of the effects of of what Margaret Thatcher's government had had done. But we felt that the club gave people that bit of hope and that bit of belief that you know no matter what people say or or, or do you, you can always sort of prove them wrong and i think barnsley's really epitomized that in in that in that season in, in 96 97 yeah like you said um if you, and i think maybe because i was at that age but uh 
90s football you know if you get me on that subject we could probably uh go on about it all that but we'll, we'll dig out the review that i wrote for that and we'll get the links out and stuff um we'll push it with this podcast because like i said it was um i really enjoyed watching it but i noticed on your kind of um on your twitter feed you've got it i think you've got it pinned haven't you or, or you've got it in your bio i think yeah um but it's one of those time timeless pieces so i mean i, I assume kind of you, you're periodically pushing it and it's still selling yeah i think um you know we've still got as a uh, little uh group message group um flowing uh between all the lads that, that were involved in it um and we, we keep talking and we're always quoting like lines from the film um you know <laughs> basically creating his own memes and stuff that are relevant to you know contemporary politics or whatever and um yeah we, we were we have messaged back and forth recently just a couple of whispers about the 25th anniversary of the promotion so hopefully we can get a, a screening on of that um in april next year so that that'd be great, but I just feel that, and I know I'm really biased, but it's not the, um, you know, money doesn't matter documentary series that you know that's had millions chucked at it by, um, you know, big big companies because we were a, a, a crowdfunder, and all the profits went to to charity as well. I think round about forty grand went to Tiny Arts Appeal at Barnsley Hospital, and. You know, that's not having a dig at um, Amazon or whatever. It's just the reality of it. And, um, and we were really proud, actually, because we all went as a group to Berlin to the uh, Football Film Festival in Berlin a couple of years ago. And it was crazy because you had, like, um, Aardman Studios who do, um, you know, like Wallace and Gromit, and I think it were Early Man, the football film, and you got Universal Pictures and Amazon, and then it was like, you know few chunky lads from Barnsley uh, <laughs> rocking up to Berlin. Um, yeah, it's, um, it was class, but, um, but yeah, we, we, we are proud that it is like a, a unique story, really. I don't think it'll, it'll happen again. Yeah. You've had your, your Bournemouths and, and, and Brentford are maybe a, a, an exception. Um, but, um, you know, Bournemouth had a lot of money behind them. I think Barnsley's, Barnsley's probably spent about a million quid uh, going into that season maybe not even that and the fact that they actually got relegated at the end it it wouldn't have been a story if they'd have stayed up it we probably wouldn't have made it um obviously i wish we would have um but a lot of things as you'll have seen in the film sort of conspired against them and uh you know uh shakespeare did write a lot of tragedies though that were a success and <laughs> it's a bit it is a bit tragic and and non based in South Yorkshire, so you might as well do one, you know. So well, yeah. If you're, it, you it know, the, dis, <laughs> the discerning football fan, I think will enjoy it generally. Um, there is the, yeah, the political definitely. backdrop to it as well, which I think yeah. will, will appeal. But um, no, if you've got any uh, any contacts at Netflix, if they want to chuck it on, <laughs> tell them to give us a buzz. <laughs> Yeah, but it it is it is it is brilliant. So I thought I wanted to oh, catch up with you about that. But uh, but yeah, so we'll get on to to Rotherham. Um, so we'll move for, from Barnsley. We'll get on to Rotherham, and and I was looking at, at Rotherham over over recent years, and you know, start of the decade they kind of they had that sudden rise from from League Two to the Championship. Mm-hmm. I think it was what from twenty twelve to twenty fourteen they suddenly kind of bounced up the leagues, um, and then they spent a few years in the the Championship, which was quite an achievement especially when I was looking how many managers they went through during that time um and then kind of Paul Warren took the job on in in 2016 and since then they've literally been a yo-yo club going up mm. up and back down between the championship and league one 
Um, so, I mean, in, in that time, because the, the last five years until this, you've been up, down, relegation, promotion, um, have they just struggled to get it right in preparing for the championship when, when they get there? Or is it kind of just a case of that's where the club is in terms of the, the size and the budget that they've got? Yeah, I think that's that's fair. You know, when you're talking about budget and you just look at some of the teams in, in, in the championship, it's quite ridiculous, really. You've even got fully-fledged internationals in at this level, you know, in the third tier. Um, and the famous ex-Bowsley boss who said about 10 years ago that the Championship is a Premier League too. And as much as I hate to agree with him, it, I think that's true. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, Rotherham getting gazumped by a team below them in the league. I don't want to go into specifics. Over a lone striker... And Rotherham were probably third bottom at the time. And they just got absolutely blown out of the water. Um, but it's, it is a difficult one because you look at some of the wages that these players are on. They're absolutely astronomical. And there's absolutely no way that the owner who brought the club back to Rotherham, because if Sunderland fans don't know, you know they were playing at Don Valley Stadium in, in Sheffield. Um, and they were they were pretty dark times, uh, really low gates. Um, but, you know, it didn't hold an atmosphere. Um, you know, a lot of fans quite disillusioned. And there's no way that Tony Stewart is going to risk the future of the club, and absolutely rightly so. And and the manager as well, in Paul Warney, saying when he took over, the club were in well, the, the team, not the club, the team were were in disarray after the Alan Stubbs. Um, tenure um, it's it, it were a difficult one because as, as a manager you, you should never never take on your own fans at all you, you've you know they are the lifeblood of the club and I don't think he endeared himself to the to the Millers fans um, so when Paul Warren took over uh, from what I understand there were you know players just not really trying in training and you know going home as soon as they could and not interested and he transformed that uh, when he took over. And he didn't really want the gig as well because he was, a, and he's, it's still like a running joke, that he was just a fitness coach, um, which, and he was at the time. Um, and he's really stamped his mark on the club. And he is a, he is a, a Rotherham legend because uh, despite being a Norfolk lad, and I suppose you could compare it to like your Kevin Ball, Sunderland, like not being from the area, yeah. ge you know, geographically, but... Yeah. You know, really heart on your sleeve, um, and hundred percent graft uh, every week, no, no matter what. That's what Warney will like as a, as a player, and that's what he demands from from his players as well. Um, so when they have got up into the championship, it was the first time of asking for, uh, under Paul Warney's first season. Remarkable achievement um, to get up uh, via the playoffs, um, and I think that that season back in the champ they. They just didn't get that goal scorer in. The goals just cost them. And they were really close as well. They were really close to, to staying up. But there were times when you were looking at, you know, when you look at the squad list and you look at the opposition team and you're looking at their bench, you're thinking, international, 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 <laughs> international, you know, 500 Premier League games. And you're thinking, crikey, this is, this is bonkers. And, you know, like Stoke had Bojan and Peter Crouch coming on and... Uh, you know, they were Grealish for uh, Aston Villa and you're thinking, this is just absolutely bonkers. But, you know, I think it's safe to say in every game that 
under Paul Warren in the Championship, the opposition knew that they'd, they'd been in a game. They, they really did know that they'd been in a game. And um, he kind of gets... It's, it's a bizarre one, this, because he sort of gets beaten with this weird stick that he, he, he likes good human beings and he's, and he's a good bloke himself, which I think, why is that a bad thing? You know, it, yeah. he doesn't want these players, he doesn't want these bad eggs that, are, that aren't going to be bothered, that aren't going to want to better themselves or come for one last pay packet. He doesn't want that. I think, you know, as a Sunderland fan, you'll know full well what, what that's like. Yeah, probably on a different level um, with, yeah. with a few more uh, zeros on the end of the pay packet. But very, yeah. very sort of similar. Um, and I think, you know, generally, he's uh, very well respected, Paul Warner. He's certainly one of the reasons that I have sort of continued doing what, what I do and, and working on match days for Rotherham because it's such an enjoyable, you know, atmosphere where he, he just wants everyone to, to be the best that they can be. Well, I think I think you've touched on, on some of it there, actually, because I was thinking, you know, as you were talking, from the outside looking in, you know, despite, you know, if you look on just season after season, up and down kind of mm-hmm. nature of promotion or relegation for the fast you know, the past five seasons. If you think about that, you think almost like a club in in turmoil, you know, jumping up and down all the time. But, you know, it's coming up to five years since Paul Warren was appointed as manager. And like you said, it's been it's been a while. It seems like a a solid, well run club that they can bounce back quickly from dropping out of the championship. I mean, is that the current state of play or, you know, from because that's me looking from the outside in or is there a little more? Kind of turmoil than meets the eye from oh, if you're kind of inside the camp. No, no, no. It's not. There's nothing. You know, there's no turmoil whatsoever. There's there's no debt for the club. We've got a you know mm. beautiful newish ground. It's going up to ten years that they've they've been in it. And I alluded to it earlier about when they were playing at Don Valley Stadium. You know, they'd got points deductions galore. You know, kicked out of the home ground Millmore, which I'm sure um I'm not sure if Sunderland fans will have experienced going down that narrow. Uh, walkway alongside the ground um, yeah. but um, no definitely not they're in such a, a strong position and the thing is um, you know you get a lot of players that want to come here because they want they know that they're going to you know further their career if you look at likes of like you know Kiefer Moore who, who was um, he came in on loan from Ipswich Mick McCarthy weren't having him and then he ended up being you know the, the main striker for Mick McCarthy at, at, at Cardiff. Um, you know, there's Will Vaux as well, um, came in from, uh, Scott, um, you know, north of the border, uh, sold on to Cardiff. Shemi Ajayi as well, sold on to um, uh, West Brom, playing in the Premier League, and there were even talk of West Ham signing him in the summer as well. Um, and what Paul Warren does is, he actually tries to put these players off signing for him because he says, look, I, I'm going to work you. I'm, you're going to be the fittest you've ever been. You know, I'm going to make you basically throw up in pre-season and you, you're going to be the fittest that you've ever been. I'm going to improve you every single day. Um, are you sure you still want to come? And, you know, it, I, th- I think invariably they always they say, yeah, I, I do. Um, but, I, you know, why wouldn't they really want to come and play at a, a club that, you know, that you will improve at and got a you know decent training facilities you know really nice ground um you know and certainly at this level they've they've got a, a real real good chance at a, a, you know bouncing straight back up yeah you, you got us all nostalgic there because i was thinking about <laughs> milmoor and um i'm sure it was about it was about 99 2000 because it was in our 
you know, Peter Reid, Phillips, Quinn days. I'm sure we got, we had Rotherham in the cup, third round of the FA Cup, I think. And I think we won, I can't remember, I might have been, like, it might have been 5-0 or something. Or it might, it might have been 1-0. I can't remember, but we won. But I remember <laughs> that day and I remember, I remember Milmo. But, but I drive past the New York Stadium, mm. you know, quite often. And it's a it's a stunning ground because mm. it's it's kind of it's it's on the side of a main road and when you drive past it it's kind of it, it's sunken down or out on its own, um, and for for kind of this level building it there I mean it's a, it's a cracking little stadium they've got yeah it is and you know it's um, let's not forget the host in the um, I think it's the women's Euros yeah. Uh, yeah. next I think it's next year uh, you have to everyone will have to look that up and see if I'm totally wrong but they have hosted like. You know, internationals and youth internationals before as well. Um, it's a cracky stadium, and the and the pitch uh, yeah. is amazing as well. It was good at Millmore, to be fair, but the the ground staff as well. They've 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 won quite a few awards with how you know well kept the pitches as well. So I think yeah. you know um, Sunderland fans have already tasted, it, haven't they, in, in pre season? Pretty close game, weren't yeah. it? But um, no, it'll be there's a lot more riding on it this time around, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll come on to that, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was looking um, as you said, you, you know, they've had some, they've had a good history um, last few years of um, of transfers, bringing players in, selling them for for more money, which is a bizarre concept to Sunderland because we haven't done that for the last uh, probably 10, 15 years or something. But uh, obviously, looking at the players who came in during the summer transfer window, um, my first impression, just looking at the list, um, there doesn't seem to have been as many. As most clubs who we kind of do these kind of previews with, um, most other clubs have got a list as long as your arm, especially, you know, looking at the likes of Ipswich and all that, they've brought in kind of 20, 30, mm, <laughs> 30 yeah. players. Um, but, I mean, before we get on to, to all that, you did take Will Grigg on, on loan from us on deadline day, I think it was, or last 10 minutes of deadline day, I think it was. Um, so, so how's he getting on this season? Yeah, he's, he's done all right. I think he's got, um, I think he's got four goals. Um, depending on whether this goes out after tomorrow night's game, if he plays and scores against uh, Man City's under twenty threes or under twenty ones, whatever it is, um, yeah, it's he's had to get up to speed. I think as soon as he signed, I thought, well, he'll probably need ten games to get to get up to speed. You know, get air in his lungs and um, and get up to the Paul one way really because they defend from the front and yeah, if if you're going to play up front alongside Michael Smith. This is a strike partnership, by the way, which is loved by Sunderland because you've got Will Grigg and Michael Smith, who's a big Newcastle fan. So um, <laughs> yeah, they'd, they'd love it. Um, if you do as much, you know, if you're going to play up front alongside Michael Smith, you've, you've got to match his work rate because he's absolutely phenomenal. A uh, real colossus up front for Rotherham United. Um, but uh, yeah, it did take him a, a, a couple of games to get up to speed. You know you're going to get goals at this level, though, with, with, with Will Grigg. Um, it might not have been the case and, and, and not worked out. It worked out for him um, up at Sol, but there is a there is a goal scorer in there, and I think there's been times where Rotherham have thought, oh, if we just had a goal scorer, oh, if we just had someone to f- a pop up that back stick, and oh, someone just to finish that. And he scored a couple of nice, a couple of his goals have been from like one yard out because he just reacted mm. quickest and, and poached it, and scored a good header as well um, a couple of games back. Played against his old club at the weekend, and MK Dons put in a good shift. I think Paul Warren really likes him, um, and he's, he's he's chipped in with a few goals. And it, it will be a miss on Saturday. Um, uh, I think there's two options that Rotherham could 
replacing with and that that's the only sort of mild concern really is that there isn't um, a plethora of, of strikers there's Joshua Coyote uh, a young lad um, and uh, uh, Freddie Ladapo as well who came off the bench to score against uh, MK Dons I suspect it's going to be, be Freddie that'll, that'll start um, who is also um, a, a goal scorer at this level so he, he will be a threat but then you've got Joshua Coyote to, to come on as well so Rothamar you know losing uh, one of the first team players really for, for this weekend's fixture but I think the fans have, have taken to him they're just desperate to, to sing that song aren't they <laughs> yeah we've been waiting for quite a few years to, to sing that song <laughs> never never quite got around it's interesting actually just just listening to that because one of these um kind of the you know people gave him criticism for was actually his work rate um in some ways he kind of he didn't look as if he wanted it at times. So it'd be it'd be interesting to see how he gets on for for the rest of the season. But um but you, you mentioned Newcastle as well and I also noticed that uh, Shane Ferguson uh, came in from from Millwall on a free transfer and mm-hmm. he's thirty now, which I couldn't quite get my head around because I remember him coming in, you know, through the ranks at Newcastle and he was quite highly rated for quite a few years. So how's he settled into to life at Rotherham? He's done well. He, I think he's um he's had a couple of little niggles. He started at the weekend against MK Dons um, and he's been playing in a wing-back position, which I, I would argue is probably the most difficult position for my humble, um, you know, <laughs> my, my humble grounding in football, you know, because you, you've, you've got to be expected be to get up there and attack. <laughs> you, yeah. You've got to be expected to get up there and attack, haven't you, and, and provide for your, for your strikers. And then you've, you've got to be back there, aren't you, and, and helping out and, and defend first and foremost. It's really tough. You've got to have a lot in your legs. As you say, at thirty years old, you could argue he's, he's probably, you know, maybe at his at his peak. He may maybe not be as as quick as what what he was, but technically really good. He put in a, a beautiful cross for Will Grigg, actually, two Northern Irish internationals combining for for, for Will Grigg's header that he scored a few home games ago. Um, so he has got great technical abilities. Probably more to come from him, um, but we saw as well he scored an absolute rocket for for Northern Ireland. Uh, about a month ago or so, I don't know, I can't remember who it was against, but it's just one of those that sits nicely and he just smacked it from thirty-five yards, and just mm. arrowed right at top corner. So he has got a, a terrific left foot. But I know what you mean when you look at these players and you think he's he's thirty. I'm like, where's my life going? Some of these players I've seen are born in like two thousand and one. I'm like, I'm definitely not going to yeah, make it don't. now, am I? <laughs> yeah, it scares the life out of me. But uh, but yeah, I noticed because I, I saw he'd had a few injuries over the years, and um, it's interesting because I think you know maybe if he hadn't had the injuries, he might have played a bit higher. But uh, yeah, that was a bit of a blast from the past. Got us a bit uh, frightened about my age earlier on. But uh, there was a few, um, there was a few more. Um, there wasn't, like I said, the list wasn't ex- extensive. But you had uh, Edmunds Green from from Huddersfield on loan, uh, Oliver Rathbone from Rochdale. Um, so which of the the other new signings are, are impressing this season? Um, well, I think if Ollie Rathbone gets another home man of the match, he'll have to build <laughs> a couple of new shelves because it's getting a bit boring, really, in getting a man of the match every game. Um, yeah, he's he's been probably the standout player in terms of his, his effort and endeavour. He, he's just absolutely everywhere. Um, he, he always impressed me for, for Rochdale, him, him and um, Callum Camps. Rochdale always seem to to find these mm. these you know little gem midfield players, um, and yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ollie Rathbone. Very tenacious, loves the tackle. He's absolutely everywhere. He's like a he's like a little terrier. 
and he's he's just absolutely everywhere. And it's strange to think because maybe it's even more relevant to um, you know to to you as a Sunderland fan or or Sunderland fans in general. You might sort of turn your nose up if you're thinking, well, are we going to sign someone really from a team that's been relegated into the fourth division? You know, is he really going to improve us? Mm. When you've, you've sort of got to be a little bit clever and actually take a few steps back and think, you know what, yeah, yeah, he will. And he, he's been a, a real sort of revelation in that um, three-man midfield for him. Uh, mm. Just hope that, you know, he stays injury-free and, um, he, he, you know, continues because he's he's got his best years ahead of him. Still got um, plenty more to come. And I think... I think it's, I think he's one of a few of the Rotherham United players that will be able to cut it at at Championship level in in the right team. Wow, well, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, we we did exactly that. We signed um, last season in January. We signed uh, Carl Winchester from Forest Green, and I think yeah. a lot of Sunderland fans went, you know, Forest Green. What you know, who's who's this fella? And this season he's played at right back, kind of out. Well, a lot of people thought he was a centre midfielder out of position. Mm. Uh, he's been a revelation at fullback, absolutely superb. But um, in terms of Oliver Rathbone, like you said, he's only twenty four. Signed him from Rochdale. Um, just out of interest, I saw the the fee was undisclosed. But um, do you know roughly how much they, they kind of would have spent on Rathbone? I got in all no. honesty, I've got plausible deniability on that because I've got, got right. absolutely, I've got absolutely <laughs> no idea. Um, I, I could probably offer you a bit more insight into Winchester, to be honest, <laughs> I could, because um, <laughs> in all honesty. I, I went to, um, he, he played against Barnsley for Oldham when Barnsley, mm. we pinched Lee Johnson off Oldham and went back to Oldham. Uh, I think we tonked him like 3-0, which the locals were really happy. <laughs> but standout player for me were Winchester. I thought this, mm. I thought, oh, I hope John goes in and we can nick him. Uh, and I remember chatting to him about him and uh, he, he were a big fan of Liam Kelly as well. I think he wanted to bring him in. But I, I really like Winchester and I saw it gone to Forest Green. It really surprised me. I thought, what's he, what's he gone there for? Um, but then when I saw, you know, John had signed him again, I thought, yeah, I know why. He's got, he's, he has got ability. But again, you sort of turn your nose up at it, don't you think, oh, we're, you know, we're Sunderland. We're, you know, we've, we've you know, you're thinking like recent years, you know, Jermaine Defoe's and that. Why are we signing this? But, I think it's safe to say you've you've got to a stage now where there aren't really any bad eggs anymore. You know, everyone wants to be there, everyone wants to do well and, and improve. So and that's sort of showing into in um in, in the table and when you run a form. Yeah. Well I can confirm it definitely feels like a lifetime since we had Jimin Defoe at some point. <laughs> I can uh, I can assure you that. But I, I was also looking at the outgoings and I saw uh, Matt Crooks joined Middlesbrough and because um, the reason I asked about Rathbone, because undisclosed fees really annoy me. Uh, it never yeah. used to be like that. You always knew how much a player went for. Anyway, um, that's, that's just me great for that, that I've got. But um, about modern football. Uh, but for this, I found that it was about a million that that he left for. Um, I mean, was was that a blow to lose Crooks in the summer? And actually, it's funny. I mean, with that sort of money coming in, did did people kind of expect more signings to to come in because you got that mm. sort of money? Um, I'm not too sure. You, you've sort of got to take into account the, the loss of revenue as well, and you getting relegated from the championship. I'm not sure if it's between you know five to seven million pounds these days, which is such a lot of money. Uh, mm-hmm. And it were a difficult one with Cruxy because he was worth, as is the case with quite a few of the players, 
he was worth more to Rotherham than what he would have commanded in a transfer fee, if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah, you yeah, you yeah. show me where you can get a six foot five box to box fitness freak that chips in with goals and he can play play he's played centre half for Rotherham, centre mid, striker, um and they just wouldn't you know, just couldn't command um, such a fee which you know to Rotherham he's probably worth £10 million but they're never going to get £10 million for him mm. but he's a lad that sort of I could say this about any of the players as well to be fair that he's a lad that deserved the move and you know it's a bit of a life changing move for him going up to, to Borough nice for him to score against Barnsley as well and celebrate in front of us on <laughs> Wednesday night that was lovely <laughs> um, but um, so yeah he's, he's sort of been replaced by the diminutive Oli Rathbone and there's probably about a foot and a half of difference between them two. But I think um yeah, I think all all the Rotherham fans are sort of pleased for, for Crooksy. Um, you know, he gave gave his all um in, in his time at the club. If you think where he, how how sort of clever the recruitment is, if you if you'd have asked me those fans who they wanted to sign at that time when we were in the championship, no one would have said Matt Crooks from Northampton. And he and he, he's come in and um bettered himself, bettered the team. Uh, helped him get promoted. Sadly, j- just couldn't help him still because it was so close again last season. So close, um, and he and he, he does deserve his move. And I think that they'll be relatively content that they've got Ollie Rathbone in as uh, as his replacement, if you like. Not like for like, but he's in that uh, mm. central midfield role and works just as hard. Yeah. So we talked about the kind of the, the business that they got done, and we've talked about the nature of the last five seasons: up, down, up, down, up, down between the Championship and League One. So, I mean, before the season kicked off, was that, is it just kind of easy to assume that that was the expectation at the start of the season to to, to bounce straight back up? And, I mean, has the success at getting back constantly at the first attempt, does that increase pressure on one to do it again? I think that's sort of human nature, isn't it? It's sort of, once mm. that precedent is set, you, you know, the two times one is managed rather than in League One, they've got promoted. So third time you're thinking, <laughs> he's, well, he's going to do it again. But as I said earlier about you know that, that Premier League two, if you look at League One, the size of the clubs now, um, you know, yourselves, Pompey, Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday, um, it, there's some 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 massive clubs in this in this division. It's just getting harder and harder to um, to get out of it. And then you've got clubs like under the radar like your Wickhams, who I know you guys beat, didn't you? But they came and did a job at New York and got a nil-nil draw. Who, you know, it's weird because you wouldn't necessarily pick any of their players to, to play in your team, but there's just such a well-oiled, well-drilled outfit yeah. and it's so obvious that Gareth Ainsworth's been there for so long because they just everyone knows what, what they're doing. So I think it's a really sort of tough league and, a, and the fact that I think that you know, your lads have sort of embraced that and given Lee Johnson the job, you know, and you're allowing him to sign players that he knows can do a job in this division and have that, you know, longer term uh, vision rather than, oh, quick, we need to we need to get out of this division as, as quickly yeah. as we can. Let's chuck as much money as we can in every direction and, and try and get out. There's a lot more sort of long term thinking going on at at, um, at your club. But, but yeah, there are a few, a few, uh, big clubs in this division it just gets seems to get harder every year so I think the expectation is there you know generally what what clubs fans 
wouldn't say they're going to finish in top six, no matter what. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to aim for that, aren't you? And I think um, certainly with the start that they've made as well, I like to think that you know that they'll be there and there or thereabouts because I've not really seen anyone that they've come up against. That I've thought, oh, they've been outplayed there. You know, they've just been term K Dons who were really sort of fancied and possession based. Rotherham didn't give them a minute and smashed them three 0 Just going back to the, that expectation and the fans. I mean, with going up and down. Other fans almost kind of have they got an acceptance of the the club's level, or is this, is there sometimes an element of frustration that it just can't make that next step? Yeah, it's always going to be frustrating, but there's so much financial clout in in the championship, mm. and you've probably genuinely got um, maybe. 12 to 15 teams that, that really fancy getting promoted um, and the elite in that second division as well second tier you know they're, they're paying out like tens and tens of thousands of pounds up to up to the hundred mark aren't they for, for some of these some of these players and there are clubs that just just simply can't can't compete with that so I think there is um, a dose of, of realism really for for you know for, for certain the small, so-called smaller clubs, if if you like, um, I think all they care about, having endured what they have done at, at Rotherham, is having players that care and a manager that cares, and shows that on on the touchline because they've suffered in the past, you know, with, with um, employees that just haven't really been bothered and are here for one last payday, as, as you know full well, and it's so clear, all the lads really want to do well for um, for themselves and, and for Warney. And, and you, yeah. I, I said it before, it is such a pleasure to sort of be a, be a part of because there just is a connection there. There, there really is. And it's not a case of, oh, we, we are Rotherham United, we have to do community work. Rotherham United is the, is the community. And, you know, yeah. they do so much locally, the players, and they understand and accept and, and relish, you know, doing the, um, or like the, the extra work, if you like, um, in in and around the, the community. First and foremost, yeah, they've they've, they've got to perform. Um, sometimes it's it's out of your control when you're coming up against Jack Re- Jack Grealish, who it was like eighteen months before he went for hundred million quid playing playing against the Millers, um, which yeah. were fun. Um, <laughs> you know, and last season, like it were it were Watford um, came and they had um, I think they had Sar on wing. Um, I'm thinking this is absolutely, yeah. absolutely crazy. I think there were, I think there were like twelve different like internationals from twelve different countries in that team. I'm like this is this is absolutely crazy. But you know, it's not for a lack of trying from from Rotherham United. Trust me, they they really are playing for Paul Warren. And I don't, just don't think I could not see anyone else in that dugout at the minute for him. Yeah. Um, I really, really couldn't. Yeah, the, the pretty weird. We did the same thing with a guy from Wickham, and he he said on the way down he was topping it up the 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 cost of the Watford team compared to Wickham team, and uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean going into the results, um, it wasn't actually the the best of the kind of starts to the season. Uh, first six games, three wins, three defeats, um, but then since then, Rotherham are unbeaten in eight in League One, which stretches back to the fourteenth of September. So I mean, did did something change, or was it just time for the kind of new signings to gel and kind of get together? Yeah, I think um, you know, like any any team, really, you, you you can't really tell, can you, what your best eleven is in in pre season to start off with. There's not mm. there's not been like wholesale changes for them. 
um, and it's sort of all glued together by the evergreen Richard Wood at the back. I, I always felt defensively that you know they they were going to be sound. Um, it was just like in that in that final third, um, are they going to be sticking the chances away? And it has sort of. I, I'm going to say it has sort of clicked, but it's not like anything would you know drastically wrong to to begin with. But I still feel there's like a, I still feel there's more to come from him as well. I, I, gen, I genuinely do. There's, there's been a, there's been a couple of weird games where I thought we played better against um, you know this team that we lost to than we did today, and you know yet yet won four one against against Pompey. Um, so they played you know, played well against them, but scored three goals in seven minutes and just blitzed them. Just just were so clinical. So there have been a couple of strange games. Plymouth won as well, start of the season, beat them two 0 and then Plymouth are suddenly sitting pretty top of the league. I thought yeah. they were, I didn't I didn't <laughs> think anything from them at all. Yeah. Um, it, by all accounts, they've had the the rub of the green as well. We like certain certain decisions, mm. um, and and Pompey as well against against you guys that were. An absolute disgrace of a, of a quagmire could have happened to anyone really. Losing that Plymouth one, Plymouth did the same thing, didn't it? The week after, yeah. Uh, I think you needed some armbands on, didn't you? To yeah. to be honest, yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, it was ridiculous. But yeah, and then they come up to, to New York and and Roth- it was pretty close. Um, you know, Rotherham smashed them four one, and they they pretty much sort of gave a goal away as well. Um, but still, like showed great character to. To go up other end and score three in like, something like seven minutes, which were it was just amazing, really. Um, and they probably played. Um, it was a difficult game against Wickham, another team that sort of fancied. Um, I thought they were just as good, but they just couldn't break them down. So I think, you know, I I was worried about the the sort of well, not not so much worried, maybe a little bit concerned about the final third. But you know, Michael Smith's got ten goals. Griggs come in and got four. You know, there's a couple of players chipping in and three different scorers on um, against MK Dons as well at the weekend. Um, so they have sort of it has sort of clicked, if you like. But I do feel there's there's more to come from them. Yeah, and I mean, like, with that really good run like we talked about, I mean, they're currently sitting fifth in League One, three points behind the automatic promotion spots. Kind of really good run, got got back into it. Um, and we talked about you know. Paul won over over these last kind of five years, doing a fantastic job. Is there always a slight concern that a championship club might just go, hang on, that fella's done a done a fantastic job at Rotherham. <laughs> we'll, no, we'll we don't think about make that. Him an offer <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't. We don't think about that. I think. Um, <laughs> well, if um, if Daniel Farker's in trouble at Carrow Road, uh, which he, which. You know, it could well be considering their start to the season. I think that's the only job that Warney would consider being um, a Norwich really? fan. Um, but um, no, I think I'll, I'll hold you to that, man. <laughs> <laughs> different budget. <laughs> he's, uh, I, I, I genuinely think he's happy, and it's it's a strange one because he he didn't want he didn't want the job to begin with, and he's become you know from from a fitness coach who did his. You know, teaching qualifications and started his career, his professional career relatively late um, in his his early twenties. Um, you know, he's he's become a really well respected manager, and he just he carries himself so well, and he comes across. I'm going to say he comes across well, but that's just what he is. And you know, even when like you know all the uh, when the 
video press conferences and, and newspaper uh, interviews have all finished, he'll stop and chat for like another 10 minutes and be like, oh, what did you think of this? What did you think of that? And he's never, he's never disingenuous. He's not, he's not trying to be too clever. He doesn't, um, doesn't overcomplicate things. And yet he leaves no stone unturned and everyone's like really sort of prepared. Um, Rotherham United is Paul Warren and Paul Warren is Rotherham United. I, I, I've no doubt about that. I know that's like ultra cliche cheese, but um, but no, it's just been so. It, it's funny because I've I started there when when Warren started as like caretaker boss. So my his tenure and mine has been mirrored. I think he's been more successful than me though. <laughs> so what what I'll take from that kind of longer answer than I expected was it's a huge concern <laughs> that, that, no, that no. an offer will come in. <laughs> But um, but in terms of um, in terms of Saturday's game, um, like you know, we talked about the run that they're on. I imagine Rotherham are kind of full of confidence going into the game. Um, they've won they've won four and lost two out of the eight at the New York Stadium so far this season. So do you think, in terms of their approach, are they just gonna do they come out of the blocks and are they gonna take the game to Sunderland? Yeah, I think there isn't a game this season that they they won't do that. Home or away, they they just will, um, you know, applying that really intense press, uh, which you know MK Dons couldn't cope with. And from what I understand, Charlton deployed that at the weekend, and I know they were enjoying the um, just gotten rid of the manager syndrome, uh, which you know many clubs fall afoul against that, don't they? Um, uh, so it might be might have been a bit of a blip for for your lads, because your run's been been amazing, but I don't think. You know, one is going to think, oh, you know, we'll hold back a bit. I think it's going to be refreshing to see after the last home game, both sides going for it because Wickham came to do a job and, you know, Gareth Ainsworth came into the press room at the end and just went, job done. And I don't think <laughs> don't think Lee Johnson is going to be doing that this uh, yeah. this weekend, is yeah. he? I think we're going to see a see a cracking game in front of a, um, a full house, which is, you know, really holds its noise really well. Uh, it's going to be a terrific atmosphere. And hopefully we're going to see uh, a few goals and a, and a real corker. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of goals, um, Michael Smith's on nine goals, same as Ross Stewart, um, both mm. kind of flying this season. Um, is it obvious to say that, you know, Michael Smith's going to be the, the one that Lee Johnson is preparing for? He's the danger man? Or if you've got some other kind of <laughs> people we should be aware of? Well, yeah, they, they, they have started like um, chipping in with, with goals from around the park, really, because... Uh, Richard Wood scored against Pompey from a set piece. Michael Equa scored from a well worked set piece. MK Dons, yes, Smith's got nine league, um, ten for the season, and I'd, I think he's. You've got to say he's the, the danger man. He's probably the player of the season so far. He's just mm-hmm. turned thirty. Uh, he's a you know diehard magpie. He'll be desperate to score on Saturday. Trust me. Uh, we're getting some grief off at Portsmouth fans having played there. Um, uh, a few seasons back and he stuck one in right in front of him um, and <laughs> he, he really enjoyed that he actually scored against um, Newcastle as well in pre-season yeah. um, in front of his friends and family so that was a class for him um, but again he's another he's another recruit you know from under the radar they needed to replace Kiefer Moore um, who were on loan from Ipswich who were doing so well that Barnsley signed him and to replace him they went where else do you go to look for a player than Bury Reserves. That's uh, that's where they went. 
and got him on a, uh, I think it was a free transfer from Bury or, or a nominal fee. And he's come in and been an absolute revelation, an absolute workhorse, chips in with, with goals. I think it's one of his best returns so far at this uh, this level. And um, he, he runs the channels really well, graphs, and he's a real sort of handful. And I, I can't look beyond really him if I had to pick one player to be like the, the sort of Maybe Chidozi Ogbeni as well, who's who's been playing at wing back. He's you know he's he's really dangerous because he can really stretch you with his with his pace. Um, so I'm hopeful that he can provide one for uh, for Smudge on Saturday. Yeah. Well, since you've said a couple of times he's a Newcastle fan, which I wasn't aware of, you know, I think after this podcast he might get more stick on Saturday than he might Don't, have before. Uh, but I know. <laughs> I think um, provided a bit of ammunition there, aren't I, as well? Can I throw well, Dan Barlasser well, under the bus as well? Because he's a Newcastle uh, lad as well. Um, he's another. Coming, hey, he's another top player. To be fair, um, he's he's like the quarterback, if you like, um, for for Rotherham. He can really land it on a on a postage stamp for you. Such a great range of passing, and he puts in some unbelievable corners and free kicks with such a trajectory on them that are just really difficult to to defend. Um, mm. So he's another another top player that they've done really well to um, to recruit. Well, like I said, I mean, it's it, you know the game's a complete sellout, um, and I know. From the amount of people I see still asking if anyone's got tickets for sale for the from a Sunderland point of view, I think we probably could have sold out the whole of the ground with just uh, away fans on Saturday. But uh, it's also a sellout for the for the home fans, so it's not as if kind of Sunderland are, there's empty seats in there. It's a, it's a complete sellout. Uh, two clubs sitting fourth and fifth. It's just got a feel of a huge game. I mean, it's certainly from a Sunderland perspective, but I imagine from a Rotherham one as well. But you know, one that could have repercussions further down the line if either team kind of gives ground away. But mm-hmm. I mean, is there a big buzz around the game in Rotherham? Is it one that they know that this is a big one coming up? Yeah, I think so because the, this is like one of a, a cluster of games that's um, you know they've played uh, Portsmouth, Wickham, and then MK Dons, and everyone was saying, "Oh, let's you know beat Wimbledon uh, at home." You know, let's see where we are after these games. That's what everyone's saying. And I know you, the, the yardstick, I suppose, is the midway point where you've played everybody once and you sort of know what everybody's looking like, what sort of shape they're in. But but yeah, there is, you know, this this game, everyone's been looking forward to it. And let's be fair, most teams in this division will have looked at the fixture list and seen Sunderland and think, oh, can't wait to go up to the stadium of light. You know, it's a relatively new ground. You know, I know you were up in 92. 798 uh, whatever but um, you know relatively new ground and, and a, a big stadium with great atmosphere and a, and a, and a big club the, everyone's desperate to, to play a team like Sunderland aren't they and I think it'll be no different for um, for Rotherham this weekend but the fact that like you said the, both teams are in such rich veins of form and uh, you know it, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be a chess match is it I think we're going to see a, a real good a real good bout um, this uh, this weekend and and for that reason actually I'm I'm not going to ask for a prediction on the game <laughs> no, because no. it's just a toss of a coin I've, I mean as you said you touched on it there it's going to have the I think it's going to feel like a cup tie I think uh, on Saturday mm-hmm. um, but what I will do you know for the season ahead considering the the position Rotherham are in are in now. Um, I mean, I suppose a couple of points on that. I mean, firstly, would would the playoffs be a disappointment if if that was how they ended up looking at how they're, they're sitting at this stage in the season? And would you predict that they are going to occupy one of those top two spots at the end of the season? 
Well, I thought this the other night. I think whoever finishes above Wickham will get promoted. Because Wick- Wickham will just, like, strong-arm their way to promotion. Um, <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah. Will, will finishing the playoffs be a disappointment for Rotherham? I don't think so, you know, because there were a few people sort of concerned of a hangover from the disappointment of coming so close to staying up last season. I don't know if you guys know what, what happened, but the last game of the season... Uh, bearing in mind what were happening to yeah. Derby, it was like during that last game, it was a case of they were down, they were staying up, and they were down again. Uh, may have even took a you know a couple of more twists and turns during that time. So a crazy game between Derby and, and Sheffield Wednesday. So everyone was sort of worried that oh no, that's going to be it. We're going to really struggle to recover from this. But Warren is so enthusiastic and, and infectious. You just can't write him off. You just cannot write Rotherham United off at all, and and you'll struggle to find a fitter team in in this division, you know, than than Rotherham United. Because as an ex fitness coach and someone who he really did pride himself on his fitness, because he himself said he was a player of of limited ability. I'm not sure if he's been self deprecating there, but he uh, he really he still prides himself on his fitness now, and he loves to to run with the lads. So they've got to make sure that they are super fit. So. Mm-hmm. You know, there'll not be any teams that, that outrun Rotherham United. So I, I like to think that, you know, Miller's fans would really appreciate them finishing in the top six. And I wouldn't be surprised to, to not that I'm putting pressure on them at all. I've really got to think about this answer. Um, but it, it wouldn't surprise me to, to see them finishing in, in, in the top two, to be honest with you. Mm. Yeah, I just had a, you were talking about the last day of the season. I had a big smile on my face and it wasn't because of Rotherham. It's just because all my in-laws are Sheffield Wednesday fans. And... Um, <laughs> I, Tell me about uh, tried it. In, yeah, I, 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 I tried in vain to to not laugh hysterically on the on the last day of the season, but uh, but yeah, I was quite pleased that they came down to join us in League One. But uh, it yeah, was a, no, it was an epic. Well, day. the thing is, it's like my best my best mates are owl, uh, my in laws are owls, my brother in laws <laughs> Donny, uh, my other best mates are Blade. Um, <laughs> got Miller's fans mates, and uh, obviously a Barnsley fan family. So it's like. Um, we had uh, Sheffield Wednesday fans watching by whatever means when Rotherham were playing them earlier in the season and uh, I think I got a little bit of stick off of them but I'm thinking <laughs> believe me when I get home I'm going to get some stick in mind what, what you guys are saying about me yeah it was a bit of a ridiculous day but uh, but yeah like, like I said I drive past the, the New York Stadium quite regularly so I'm gutted to be missing out because um it's half term and I'm away with the kids, so I'm absolutely gutted at that. But uh, but because of that, I hope suddenly get all three points in a really horrible, stinking game and the weather's really bad, you know, because I'm not bitter on missing out or anything like that. But uh, but I've got a feeling it's going to be a cracker like you touched on anyway. But but yeah, anyway, on that note of uh, self-pity, uh, I'd just like to say thank you very much, Matt. Absolutely cracking to catch up and all the best for the season ahead, mate. No, cheers, man. I appreciate it. You know, it's a well-revered podcast. So, um, you know, you guys do such a, a good job of representing your your club. And I think my career's peaked now, definitely. <laughs> well, I, I do appreciate that. And um, because of that, a quick reminder um, for people to check out Daydream Believers, uh, cracking documentary. And if you want to uh, feed any nostalgia for 90s football, um, it's it's def- like I do on a daily basis. It's definitely definitely worth a look. But but thanks again, Matt. Really appreciate it, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you.
<laughs> and thanks again for listening. Um, keep a look out Rocker Report for all the build-up ahead of the game against Rotherham on Saturday and all of the reaction after the final whistle as usual. Uh, and I'm sure another podcast will be dropping very soon. Uh, but from us, it's bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.